Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Legendary documentarian Ken Burns is here. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. Do you have answers? I think we're in the middle of an, an enormous reckoning right now in which the anxieties and pains and the torments centuries of injustice are bubbling up to the surface. It's very important for people like me of my complexion to be as quiet as possible and to listen. What I know uh, from my reading of history is that the Confederate monuments have to go. Uh, They were put up in the 1880s and 90s when white supremacy was being brutally reimposed over the old Confederacy. Uh, Again in the late teens and 20s when the Ku Klux Klan uh, was ascendant. Again after the Brown versus Board of Education decision in 1954. And so we see that these are not monuments to history and heritage, but they're an attempt to rewrite history and to essentially celebrate a false narrative about what happened during the Civil War and to uh, send the wink winks, uh, the dog whistles, as we are fond of saying today, across the generations about what the Civil War was about. It's so interesting that we're even having this argument uh, because the people that we memorialize, the, the nation's forts that are named after Civil War generals, these are all people who fought to perpetuate slavery, which right. must be an anathema to every American. Well, and they're it, also it, it people responsible for the deaths of... Lo- yes, it, it, these are people responsible for the deaths of loyal American uh, citizens. Well, they make a play to heritage. A travesty. They make a play to heritage that I think is a losing argument with the Confederacy, but when you extend it to the founding fathers, Abraham Lincoln, uh, well, at least not in a memorial where he is seen as above a black man, Uh, Thomas Jefferson, Washington, Grant, is there a danger in going too far, in your opinion? Of course. Of course, there's a danger in going too far. It's the the passions uh, of the moment. And let's just think about it for a second. Let's just hold off and reserve judgment, Chris, for one second and consider that more than a quarter of the presidents of the United States of America, founded on the idea that all men are created equal, the guy who wrote that owned more than 300 human beings in his lifetime, by the way, more than a quarter of United States presidents owned other human beings. This is a huge thing that we cannot just dismiss. But I would say the Confederate monument, for me, is an easy decision. We have to get rid of them. They're not about heritage. This is a specious argument. This is about the reimposition of white supremacy in the South at various periods. There's nothing about the names of the, the bases and the forts should be changed. You know, we taken down the statues. It's a good thing to do. And we now need to continue this reckoning by, by looking as carefully as we can. Monuments are hugely important. They're 
acts of, of fact, but they're also acts of mythology. They're mm -hmm. acts of symbols. Your father told me in our film on the Statue of Liberty, symbols are important, but it works both ways in this regard. And so we have to now look at each individual case beyond, I think, the Confederate monuments and begin to look. Listen, the descendants of Theodore Roosevelt want the statue taken away from the Museum of Natural History. Theodore Roosevelt, who was actually good in, in many respects on race, invited Booker T. Washington to the White House, took a lot of grief and then never invited another black person there again nonetheless has a statue flanked and much lower by a Native American right. and an African American. And, American. and a black just, guy. Absolutely. It, we all know you well. Looks like whites, it looks like white supremacy. Right. And so I'm very happy to see that we are on a case-by-case -case judgment um, moving through these questions. The most important thing is the reckoning. The most important thing is for us to not get distracted by the arguments because the arguments of too far are being happened on both sides. The issue is that for far too long in our country, citizens of African descent did not enjoy equal justice under the law. Turn it up! Turn it on! Well, the best-selling book in the country right now, in case you haven't checked the rankings, is not a spy thriller. It's not a young adult fantasy novel. It's a short political book. It's called White Fragility. Soon it may be required reading at your children's school. It may be already. The best-selling book in America last week wasn't anything by J.K. Rowling. It was a tract called White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. It's a hit, and not a small hit. White Fragility has sold so many copies that the paperback edition is out of stock on Amazon. Schools and companies across the country are ordering it in bulk. Deloitte is pushing it, so is NBC and Harvard Business School. The CEO of American Airlines was recently photographed reading the book. This fall, White Fragility is likely to be required reading at your children's school. You may soon be told to study it on a corporate retreat, so it's worth knowing what it is. What's it about exactly? We read the book, and we'll sum it up for you in four words. White people are racist. Not just racist white people, all white people, whether they're six years old or 100 years old, all of them are by definition racist. They are racist because they are white. Only white people are racist. No one else is. Robin D'Angelo tells people this for a living. She's a professional anti-racist educator. She shuttles between schools and boardrooms, telling people that their DNA make them evil. She makes big money doing this. Last year, for example, the University of Kentucky, a publicly funded university, paid D'Angelo $12,000 for two hours of this message. The school could have used that money to give poor black kids an education, but instead they handed the cash, that's more than a third of what the average American makes in a year, to a not very bright white lady to tell them they're racist. In other words, Robin D'Angelo has a very good gig. Of course, not everyone likes her message. Telling people they're racists is fine if they actually are racists. But what if they're not racists? And most people in this country are not. 
Well, let's see. How would you like it if someone called you a child molester or a wife beater? You probably wouldn't like it very much. In fact, you could lose your job for that. You could lose your friends. You could even lose your family. You might feel pretty threatened by that accusation. Aha, says Robin D'Angelo. That means you're guilty of racism. Feeling threatened is definitive proof that you're a racist. You're defensive. You've got white fragility, hence the title of the book. By the way, if you're not threatened when someone publicly denounces you as racist, that is also proof that you're a racist. Either way, my friend, you are a racist. Logic is clearly not Robin D'Angelo's specialty. Neither is literate writing or clear thinking. She is a complete and total idiot. That's one thing you learn by the end of her book. And yet our leaders treat Robin D'Angelo with great respect. They think she's a genius. That tells you everything about them and also the moment we're living in. The dumbest people suddenly have the most power. In the book, D'Angelo goes on to make a number of other ridiculously false claims, laughably false. Some of them are so obviously the opposite of what is actually true, you've got to imagine she was grinning as she typed the manuscript. Will they believe this? Yes. In America, D'Angelo writes, quote, we are socially penalized for challenging racism. Really? Where and how? The country the rest of us live in, the United States of America, hates racism. Hating racism is effectively our national religion. Every organization we have is organized to stamp it out. Commit racism and the FBI shows up. Come on, it's just too absurd to be real. But Robin D'Angelo isn't really trying to convince anyone. The real point of her book is to defeat and demoralize you. D'Angelo claims that everything you really want, everything that people of every color really want in every society in the world is a sign of white racism. You want to live in a safe neighborhood? You're racist for that. You want to send your kids to a decent school? You're a racist for that. All of your dreams are racism. And the only way to atone for this racism is to give up those dreams, to abandon your aspirations and make sure that your family lives a much worse life. For white people, D'Angelo writes, quote, discomfort is necessary and important. Needless to say, D'Angelo does not address the millions of white people in this country who already live in perpetual discomfort because they are impoverished. She doesn't mention the entire counties in rural America where virtually no adult man has a full-time job, where there are no dentists because no one can afford to go to the dentist. Robin D'Angelo has never met people like that. No doubt she would hate them if she did. Instead, D'Angelo's book is effectively addressed to entitled urban professionals as silly and frivolous and self-loathing as she is, her friends. In D'Angelo's world, economics play no role in anything. They don't matter. Everyone she knows has a high-status job and a secure job. They're not worried about unemployment. They don't care about income inequality. They're on the right side of it. These aren't problems for them. Remember, D'Angelo herself gets paid $6,000 an hour to talk. She's not concerned about paying the rent. And in fact, D'Angelo explains at one point, worrying about economic injustice is just another symptom of, brace yourself here, racism, of white fragility. Get it? Maybe you're starting to understand why corporate America absolutely loves this book. Why? Because Robin D'Angelo absolves them of their crimes. Apple and the health insurers and the credit card companies get off scot-free. Because the real problem, Robin D'Angelo tells them, is white racism. And what a relief that is for them to learn. $6,000 an hour is a small indulgence to pay for that kind of forgiveness. Thank you, Reverend D'Angelo. We appreciate the house call. In sum, white fragility is an 
utterly ridiculous book. Its ironies are so profound they make your head spin. A book about racism that is far more aggressively racist than anything Louis Farrakhan has ever written. A book that claims to side with black people but instead patronizes them and demeans them like their children. A book about systemic injustice that is in fact itself a sly defense of the very people perpetuating the worst injustices in our society. Everything about white fragility is poisonous garbage, and that's not an overstatement. And that will be obvious to you the second your kids bring it home from school, or the moment the corporate HR director in your office lays a copy of it on your desk. And you should say so when that happens. Don't be passive. Speak up loudly. It is your right to disagree with Robin D'Angelo. What she says is wrong, it's crazy, it's destructive, and it foments hatred. We are Americans. We're allowed to do that. The second we are forced to accept the premises of white fragility, we won't be Americans. And welcome back to part two. We're going to get woke. Woohoo! We start with the white fragility. Once again, I listened to my own podcast because I was cleaning out a closet that I had cleaned forever. And God, that lady, it's just unbelievable. That is just a bunch of gobbly fucking goo. But it goes in line with the woke concept. So once again, this new segment is just woke shit. Just woke. How everything is fucking racist, sexist, homophobia, whatever. And the background music is literally woke songs. Fed to you by Google. These are all woke. You got Childish Gambino and Taylor Swift and some black lady that I don't know who the fuck she is. But she's got a, a fully African name. Not Muslim, but African name. And it's a long song that's like... 8 billion views, and she's awesome, but I've never heard of her. We start this one kind of like the A part of this podcast, where I was bitching about Facebook and how I walked away, and I feel better now getting away from some social media, since I say it all the time to disconnect. Well, I've fully disconnected. And I kind of sat on it, because we had so many sound bites last couple podcasts. So this is kind of long, and I'm not going to really talk about it, Because it's a given. There is no social media platform except for this new parlor that's conservative. It's just not. So, I didn't put the background music on this little segment because I want this to be heard. This is the Undercover Sting by Project Veritas of Facebook. And it aligns with the few things that snuck out But if you really believe, and thus me getting butthurt over somebody fact-checking me, if you really believe that as you're posting on Facebook, there aren't liberals in a room looking to deny you the right of free speech for any reason they can find, even Snopes, we can't find it so it's false, you're on crack. It is a liberal site. They have to date only deplatformed conservatives. That's Twitter and Facebook. This was all made by liberals. It's supposed to be for liberals. If I, you know, I was going to do a segment on Parler and last podcast, the comments on there are just what you would expect. Liberals like, bye, see you. We don't want you here to begin with. This is for us to argue out all our bullshit and pass talking points. That's what it was invented for. It wasn't made for you. You're not welcome here. Because they're the party that say 
Anybody who doesn't think like us isn't welcome in society. That's why the media doesn't cover violence. That's why the media doesn't cover all the horrible things happening in our country right now. Or even explain that, isn't it stupid that they want to take down the emancipation statue paid for by slaves? No. Because you're stupid and you're a racist. So here is a very long soundbite of Facebook. Why did you decide to come to Project Veritas? We're deleting or actioning 300 posts a day. And so if you magnify that by however many content moderators there are on a global scale, that's a lot of stuff that's getting taken down. So I saw some discrepancies. I saw some some evidence of bias. We, we bring the game to it to work on the left side. Yes. But the how? left side. How? Yeah, how? how? Freedom of speech is the main one. That's about what you it. said. Facebook favors the left. They do. 100%. We work with a lot of liberals. Yeah. I would go in there with a MAGA shirt or a MAGA hat, I'd get my ass beat. They were able to fire him without having to worry about discrimination. Intelligence, right, right. No, okay, I, yes, no, well, because it's a white James man. Yeah. yeah, white man, so no problem. He, he can't do it that easily if there are other issues. Oh, it's, it's easier when they're... White men. Okay. No one has the white man's back anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying because he's a white male... Uh, there was, there's more that if he leverage. chose to sue the company, that uh, uh, most attorneys would just laugh. Talk to me about what we're looking at here. Basically, it's okay to call straight white males filth if, in the context of for not supporting the LGBT. Hate speech is allowed if it's quote intended to raise awareness for pride LGBTQ. So hate speech is allowed in some cases, but apparently not others. Correct. And uh, we have, I think we have some tape of people saying that you were targeted because because you're a white male. And he applied for two jobs that he should have gotten. But he didn't get them? I know. He, Ryan applied for two jobs. He did not get them because he's white and conservative? And conservative or just... So I've spent quite a bit of time looking at pictures of hate organizations, Hitler, Nazis, MAGA, mm-hmm. you know, Proud Boys, all that stuff all day long. So yeah, he groups together hate organizations, Hitler, Nazis, MAGA. So that's kind of how the moderators are conditioned to think. So the policy is called Dangerous Individuals and Organizations. So in that same list, there's also terrorists. I'm assuming you had a confidentiality agreement with with, uh, Facebook's Cognizant. Are you worried? Yeah, so I mean, I'd signed the confidentiality agreement with Cognizant. Uh, but at that point, I was seeing them interfering on a global level in elections. Um, but yeah, we've been getting a lot of, con- getting a lot of content about it. Yeah. I've got, I had like at least 10 jobs today. A bunch of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Rednecks threatening to the world if you're ready. I know, for real, guys. Yeah. I managed Trump supporters are fucking crazy ass assholes that every other fucking way out there now. Yeah, it's true. I'm like, listen, Yeah. But you're going to catch me rioting over the fucking. It's like impeachment. Like it's, that's a, oh, yeah. it's a problem. Like it's, it's just yeah. happening. Trump, Trump called it a fucking coup. Yeah, and it's like that should scare you more. <laughs> and like they're they're allowing political ads still. Yes. So now they can give more exposure to the left versus the right. Yes. Let me ask you this: Do you guys feel like Ryan got targeted because he's conservative? He, he got targeted because he's conservative. Of course. 
But Facebook obviously hates Trump. Yes, he has 100%. They, they, they do. So Facebook's like favoring the left. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh -huh. like, yeah, and, and, and the people get banned and blocked. It's simple. As you say, be brave. I am more brave than I am scared of any trouble that anybody could give me for breaking some stupid NDA. I think the truth is more powerful than any NDA. To stick up for the voice of the people. Facebook. Out of yeah. Facebook's notorious for it. And they say they don't, but yeah. it's clear that people's content don't come up because it's been defiltered off the queue. Um, it's a very progressive company who's very anti-MAGA. If you see a conservative post, you just get rid of it. Right. right. I don't give a I'll delete it. Zach McElroy came to Project Veritas because of what he saw at his job at Facebook in Tampa, Florida. He saw and filmed evidence of structural and cultural bias inside Facebook discriminating against Republicans and conservatives. McElroy's story raises serious doubts about the under oath testimony of Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg to Congress, where he claimed Facebook has no political bias. What percentage of the flagged posts in the civic harassment queue, as it's called, were Republican conservative. I saw a stark contrast between Republicans versus Democrats in that queue. I saw um, upwards of 75 to 80 percent of the posts in that queue were from Republican pages, politicians, journalists, and pages that supported the president or supported conservatives. What does that tell you about Facebook slash cognizance algorithm here? Well, certainly the algorithm is not human, but it had to be made by a human. So for 75 to 80% of the posts to be targeting Republicans and conservatives, you can say it was a bot, but somebody had to design that algorithm. So really, somebody at Facebook. Some people on Capitol Hill have expressed interest in this uh, ratio that you speak of. Are you willing to potentially testify under oath that... that three-quarters of the posts that you saw flagged were in one political direction? To the best of my knowledge and ability, yes. To me, censorship online is one of the biggest issues facing us in the lead-up to the 2020 election. Well, insofar as I was not somebody who was working behind the scenes on policy, but rather as someone who was enforcing policy, I saw everybody around me and I saw myself, and I did a little bit of comparing, and I thought, you know, there really are not very many conservatives here. And because there are not very many conservatives, I really don't think there are very many people sticking up for the voice of conservatives at a company that handles all the... at a company that handles the flow of conversations, basically the a large portion of the discourse online. And... We are essentially in charge of what gets said and what gets stifled. Uh, you mentioned the election, and the can, can talk a little bit more about your concerns as it pertains to Facebook meddling or being involved in the 2020 election. Well, we know publicly, and as someone even before I started working there, we saw plenty of, we've seen plenty of statements 
from Mark Zuckerberg uh, publicly about how they don't want to meddle in the election. They want to give everybody a free, you know, a, a platform for everybody to speak freely. But we know that privately they have very different opinions, and we've seen that with the previous Facebook story that you guys published. And I had no doubt that what he said publicly is not what he means to do privately. So let's go to the Trump cartoon, this one here. Is this something that you, you saw at your tenure? Yes, I actually saw this image a lot. Tell me about this. Well, this is an image, I believe it's in an art museum in Portland. They put this up as a bit of a political statement, and Facebook actually reacted to this, at least internally. They gave us a memo saying that this would not violate for violence and incitement or anything else, really. And so we were told to leave this image up as long as it didn't say, oh, I'm going to actually kill Donald Trump or something like that. So you just told us about this one where they allowed it to stay up. They think that this cartoon with Elmer Fudd has high severity violence and incitement, but this does not. How do, how do you reconcile that as a Facebook cognizant insider? Well, frankly, I don't. There's no difference between the two. There's no logical reason why the, the determined reaction to those two posts would be different. They should be the same. This is a, was this something that you, you took a screenshot of? Yes, it is. Talk to me about what I'm looking at here with Don Lemon. This was a memo given to moderators in looks like November 2018. They made an exception for content around involving a thing that Don Lemon said on CNN uh, around the time. He said, it says CNN host Don Lemon recently said white men are, quote, the biggest terror threat in this country, unquote. This is implying that white men are terrorists and so would typically violate this dehumanizing speech, they call it. As this is a newsworthy event, Facebook's content policy scheme is allowing a narrow exception for this content on the platform. Why would they do that? Well, it's hard to say. They would like to say that this was newsworthy, but frankly, if they say that this is newsworthy, that means that they can say anything they want is newsworthy. Well, certainly there is obviously an intention on Facebook's part to have the back of people like CNN and hosts like Don Lemon. Also flagged in the queue were comments from unknown conservatives about Project Veritas videos. And in this case, it was a post regarding the Project Veritas ABC Epstein Amy Robach hot mic tape. Why did the algorithm flag this at all? I don't know why the algorithm would have flagged this. I don't know why any bot would have chosen to select Project Veritas's page on Instagram or Facebook to monitor, basically. Mm -hmm. And in this post, it appears to be a post featuring a comments or a comment made by Infidel, who is a verified Instagram uh, political commentator and the typical liberal, who is another Instagram verified commentator. And in this infidel post, it reads, Thankfully, there are honorable journalists like Project Veritas willing to hunt for and tell the truth, no matter what, 
the truth will prevail. Oh, and Epstein didn't kill himself. Yes. Why? Why is this being flagged? Well, frankly, there's no reason that this should be flagged. Are these the only posts you saw flagged with Project Veritas, the Amy Robach uh, tapes? I saw that one. I think I may have seen one other one that I believe I recorded. If I didn't, then I must be mistaken. But yes, I've seen Project Veritas in that queue. Will they flag us more after this expose comes out? I predict they will. Let me run something by you. You know that uh, civic harassment queue that we've been in lately? Yeah. Is it just me or is it called Republicans in there? It's all Republicans. But a lot of it comes off the Trump's page specific, uh, specifically. Yeah, because I see like a Bernie post and then I'll see like five Trump posts in a row. Yeah, it's it looks very Republican related. Like, I love our president. Why, why are we getting this? Steve Grimmett is a content moderator for Facebook in Austin, Texas. Um, it's a very progressive company who's very anti-MAGA. I know that Facebook does have a, a Trump rule where they still allow him on the platform, even though he says things that if anyone else said it. And that's, that's the fortunate thing is, even if he does say something, if it gets repeated, we can at least get the average job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes back to our discussion earlier. It's, it's hard when you've got the, the top person in the country. That's his M.O. Um, but, you know, Facebook's done a lot better job of, of at least policing the mimickers and the, and the mockingbirds that come after Trump. I assume your coworkers were deleting a lot of Trump. Nobody likes Trump on that side. You don't leave any gout, do you? Like, if you see a conservative post, you just get rid of it. Right? Yes. right. I don't give no f- I'll delete it. Good. And they'll get salty. It's also like, even if it's not, a, even if it's in policy, like, you're deleting mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah, I don't give no f- It's like one week left. What are they going to do? Like, right. something to OIP? I don't <laughs> You told me that you just whack all the conservative posts and just gone, right? No, honestly, like every time, like, like half the time when I delete people for like, I'm like, you should be on a watch list. Yeah. Seriously. You know, Trump supporters like to throw around like Trump derangement syndrome yeah. as like, you know, liberals being crazy. I like to think of it as that. actually you're the one that has Trump rage syndrome. Yeah. You're losing your goddamn mind as soon as like, because they're just like, oh, Trump 2020. Yeah. And it's like, that sounds a little more deranged to me when you end every argument than that. Like even like hashtag MAGA or hashtag MAGA2020. Yeah, but not for you. Deleted. Yeah. So it's like, it's like delete, delete any like positive Trump supporters stuff. But if it makes them look bad, you leave it up. <laughs> so if you see something that's not supposed to be up, it's probably me. <laughs> so you've deleted just hashtag MAGA. Yeah. Like the post gone. It's coming. Who else is like yo? Like in the um, office? Who else? Who else to proactively delete? Well, I hang out with a lot of people because they'll come up to me and they'll be like, "Post me," or and then when I do, it's like you set yourself up. But there's Marcella. I hang out a lot with her. Uh, most, there's like other Asian guys that I hang out with. Kevin, who's like the, the midget that I I harass about his height. And then there's like Trug, Gabe, Cassie, Jen. Yeah, oh, Dante, Skyler, Shania. Those are all like the. Yeah, resistors. The people that I know. <laughs> yeah. Those are, and they all do the same thing as you, content moderator. 
How, how many of you are, are they take your own stance and say say we're just deleting whatever all the all the Trump posts? There's only probably like sixteen of them. And you guys, like, you just delete everyone? Yeah. Yeah. So sixteen in the morning. I don't like believe in pushing like the left agenda. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's How? By allowing a lot of stuff that are very far left to be still on the platform. Like, for example, like racial stuff. Okay. What? You could call me white trash based on me being white, but I can't. But if you say Asian trash, black trash, brown trash, we got to delete stuff like that. Right. So they, they, they're very, you know, they'll, they'll allow certain things, but not for others where you would think something could be. Um, and so that's just, you know, one example. But And they're very, like, politically, yeah. it's like you, you can say anything you want except kill for um, someone on the right. Okay. But, but if, if it's someone on the left and it's about their race, that's up, up in, like, you know, governmental things, you have to take that down for hate speech. Yeah, I think she has a MAGA hat on or something. <laughs> You'll be all <laughs> Yeah. I would so do that, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You just have to like go hard that day. It's just like get into work early. Like, like I'm on a mission. <laughs> like make up for the last year. <laughs> oh really? But if they attack like first year, maybe I'll take. Yeah, I can take. Like what? What she type of attack? Say, like, Bernie, it's like, think about the amount of impact that you could have if you remove those types of posts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, they, like, once the hateful. Yeah. I'd rather remove Trump posts than Bernie posts though, because I feel like people just say, oh, I don't think Bernie or Bernie's a communist. Like, I don't know if that would impact anything, but if, if I, if a Trump post was to come up and it was promoting Trump and I could take that down, then I feel like that would be the actions of the content moderators may not be conclusive evidence of structural bias at Facebook, but it certainly speaks to the anti-conservative culture that McElroy says is pervasive. Well, it's very simple. You've got a formula. You've got a workplace full of mostly liberal-leaning Democrats, leftists, essentially, and they are being put in charge of moderating the entire public discourse. Facebook and Instagram are very large platforms, one of the biggest. And our voices are in the hands of people who are almost entirely left-leaning and not right-leaning or otherwise unbiased. And in speaking with a lot of them, I found that they are not at all shy to exercise their political will in deleting or leaving up content whether or, whether or not they're allowed to or whether or not they'll get penalized for it, especially when they've got nothing to lose. That is to say, they're getting laid off. 
What if, I know, I would I come up with some good ass sometimes where they like let me fly. <laughs> no one cares. No one cares. They're just leaving everything they want. I know a lot of people, you know, always going back to politics, but hey, fighting the good fight, I know a lot of people are taken down. Uh, you know, some other stuff. Oh yeah, I knew that too. I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna hold you accountable for taking it down. We have like 30 minutes left. I'm like, what do you want me to do? It's for the better. Yeah, hell yeah. You get the out of all I'm thinking about, I'm thinking, delete like every Donald Trump post I see on the timeline. Yeah. Oh, okay, I thought it was the only one. <laughs> why not? You think? Why not? I thought I was the only one doing it, okay? You're doing it? I, was, I, was, I thought I was the only one doing it. But I'll be here. I'll be I just feel like spite. Yeah. Revenge, folly. Yeah. I mean, what you think? They're going to audit you? Uh, who knows? Yeah. I don't know, but I just feel like I'm doing something. The problem I think, again, it's globally, they, they want part of them in this picture, in this global picture. Therefore, Christians are always, you can't believe how much Jesus stuff that has been attacked over and over and over again against Jesus or any type of Christianity. They can, you can blaspheme Jesus as much as you want. Yeah. But if you go against somebody that's wearing, a, you know, one of those Islamic hats and thinking that they're going to blow themselves up, well, that's hate speech. But if there's anything over here and in name of Christian, like you know, shares a Bible verse or just you know says this, you know, that may appear to go against homosexuality, well, that that's hate speech. That's you know, this and that. That's not allowed. It's pretty clear that Facebook has a political agenda. And it's also clear that if you're not in line with that, you're less likely to be heard. Do you think if it was like a pro-Trump whistleblower that like they would protect him at the same level? No, right? I think they're very biased when they protect At a certain extent, like... Like the bias. Have you seen the Twitter, the Twitter shadow banning? So I wonder if this, if you've seen anything at Facebook. Yeah. Facebook's notorious for it. And they say they don't, but it's clear that people's content don't come up because it's been defiltered off the queue. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) They're doing something, man. They're just trying to pretend like they're not. Yeah. It's definitely being done. I, I don't know if there's any plans to, to make it more, like, to make it a true shadow ban. You post these things, nobody can see your, like, you're not banned, but nobody can see So A lot of things that we have to look out for are the dog whistles, are the, um, are the, I guess the content coming from places that is a haven for um, white nationalism. So there's a there's an insider watching this program and looking at what you did and working inside of whatever company they're working. Maybe it's Google, maybe it's Facebook, maybe it's you know CNN. What is your message to those people who n- have not yet made the decision to do what you've done? I would say you can do it too. I would say it's not as impossible as you think. McElroy signed non-disclosure agreements when he started and ended his employment at Facebook Cognizant. Are you afraid? I think the truth is more powerful than any NDA. Facebook needs to be transparent about their political bias, both institutional and cultural. If you're on the inside of a big tech company 
and see issues that need to be exposed come to us, we will have your back. Be brave. Do something. None of that surprises me. None of it makes total sense. And I forgot to talk about the bumper that came in. I played the Ken Burns because I think it's just perfect where we're living right now and woke. This guy made his bones making a Civil War series that educated everybody. And most of that series was not about slavery. It was lionizing Robert E. Lee. Stonewall Jackson. The plight of the Confederacy. And now, what, 30 years later? Oh, fuck, it's horrible. Tear it all down. I made my money off it, so I don't need it anymore. That's pretty much his fucking attitude. So, let's get into the good woke shit. My Little Pony fans are ready to admit they have a Nazi problem. Even a niche subculture built around magical cartoon horse is reckoning with racism. I didn't make that up. That's the Atlantic. That's a real thing. And let's read a little bit of it. This is just perfect woke. My Little Pony fans have a Nazi, Nazi problems for a long time. That sounds just like a strange no matter how many times you say it. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, is a cartoon television show about friendship, compassion, a group of magical horses with names such as Twilight Sparkle and Fluttershy, who live in a fantastical land called Equestria. It's marketed to children, nonetheless, and has an extremely dedicated adult fandom, which is mostly made up of men, or bronies, and they've been referred to for nearly decades. Most of the men are white. Some of these men are vocal white supremacists. The brony subculture is about a mitch niche as they come born in the internet forums in the early 2010s an era where hyper specific interest were the organizing principles of social media even so bronies have long captured the words attention they hold well attended fan conventions they've been the stars of multiple documentaries many of the shows adult fans generally enjoy my little pony and the wholesome escapism it provides others however Delight in the irony of their fandom. To them, it's edgy and provocative to be an adult obsessed with cartoon ponies. That's where the Nazis come in. Jesus Christ. My Little Pony fans proudly express their enthusiasm for the show by sharing their own cartoon drawings of the main characters, which they usually upload to image boards. The most popular of these sites calls Darupuburo, a combination of character names and common terms for image boards. Derupi Burrow hosts millions of My Little Pony artwork, plenty of which are simply tributes and magical friendship, but a substantial number of them are extremely jarly violent. An image that I recently viewed on the site depicts My Little Pony character presiding over three lynchings and one beheading of cartoon draw to represent various marginalized groups. Dirapu even lists racist and researchable category, and more than 9,000 pieces of art are tagged as such. Or 900, excuse me. And I'm not reading anymore. That's We're, we're just going to stop there. So some assholes went there. In here, Republican Party is typed about seven times. They even brought in SpaceX. Yeah. 
when reality, the more, the majority of the people that are into My Little Pony are this. This is from Now News, because remember, as all this is happening, and people are getting pissed, and I saw it the other day, and I think I have the soundbite. Well, do I have the soundbite? I think I grabbed this, because it was perfect. Uh, uh, here it is. I'm going to play Now News pushing some trans dude guy, black guy. Because remember, the tip of the intersectionality spear is a black trans dude dressing like a girl. You get the most check marks on your intersectionality scorecard. I mean, you're the coolness. And it pisses people off. So... Forever on the show, I was saying, if I was an African American, I'd be pretty pissed off how Democrats who did nothing for us, and not all Trump, but somehow the economy worked out now, and they had the lowest unemployment before COVID, and things were really looking up. All Dems talked about was trans, the 0.4%, because they believe they have the 30% of the country that's POC in the bag, so they don't really pander to those people. They don't only really care about their votes. They don't do any kind of fucking reform or anything because they're going to vote for us. But we need that 0.4% trans. So this is Pride Month. And they've been kind of stepped on because of George Floyd protest and Black Lives Matter has reasserted itself. But now news is still doing the trans stuff and you still have gay shit on your Netflix and Amazon because it's Pride Month. And I even got a Pride thing from uh, Joanne Fabric sent a Pride email because they don't want that group burning down their warehouse. So now news puts this out and right next to it is a Black Lives Matter lady going the fuck off on the trans community and it was like the perfect thesis I mean it just lined up with what I've been saying that eventually these two groups are going to clash because they're taking their spotlight so back to back gay trans dude that we're all supposed to be listening to and you shut your fucking dirty mouth trans people America's biopharmaceutical companies have one very important thing in common a common enemy we're making great progress because we're collaborating in ways that we've never done before. In a matter of weeks, we've progressed from potential treatments to antibodies and antivirals that have shown positive results to several promising vaccine candidates. Because science? Science. Science is how we get back to normal. A flag, a pride flag, but not only did they put up a pride flag, they put up a transgender rights flag, or a trans, a trans rights flag, I guess is what you want to call it. It's to represent trans people, it's fucking trans flag. Put the black power fist on top of that shit. They gonna put the black power fist on top of the trans, on top of the trans rights flag? My nigga, y'all are out there for black lives matter, y'all ain't out there for no, for nothing that has to do with trans. Like, you out there for black lives. Why the fuck is the trans symbol of that? That's, that wasn't even created by black people. The shit was created by white LGBTQ. So why the fuck is that up there again? It has nothing to do with the black power movie. It has nothing to do with empowering black people. Don't get anything to do with reparations. Don't got shit to do with better housing, better school systems, fucking prisons, police brutality. It don't got shit to do with none of that. But you so quick to throw our fucking fist up there. Nigga, that is disrespectful. And I was mad at the black people out there that was actually yelling, 
Now I'm cheering these niggas on to put it up. You niggas don't know nothing about your history. What the fuck? Nigga, that's our symbol. Black power, that's us. This is, nigga, this is us. This is us. It should have been all black, or the only colors that should have been on that fucking flag is, flag is red, green, and uh, red, green, and black. That's it. Those are African colors. You can put those up if you want. Maybe a little bit of orange if you want. Shit, make it quantum. I don't give a fuck. That shit was disrespectful. You know what? And let's get that right. Black trans women lives are in danger. They are fucking danger. They are in danger. Because you know what trans black these black women are? Black men! So of course their lives are in fucking danger. Because at the end of the day, it's not the fact that you got a dress. It's the fact that you have melanin. That's why. And you're a black man. You're a man. And they've been targeted by white supremacists. Not by other black men. They try to make it seem like it's black men out here that's in groups that's targeting trans women. That's like really targeting trans women. Like they dead ass act like it's like they like fucking black supremacy groups terrorists out here trying to target black, I mean trying to target black, black trans women or trans women in general when that's not the fucking case. It is not the numbers say otherwise. The numbers say fucking otherwise. So I'm so sick of people saying black. Please stop using that bullshit that hashtag. All black lives matter. All trans lives. All trans, trans black lives. Like, we not, that has nothing to do with sexuality. You knew it was coming. I mean, just a matter of time. I've been saying it. It was gonna come. Because once again, anybody who's done any research on any of this shit, which I have, they don't have their shit together. The media and the Dems will come up with reimagine. The BLM people are kill all cops. And the gay people spend all their time fucking... They're wordsmiths. All these people are wordsmiths. They spend their time looking for ways to ban words and shut people up. And they can't classify what everything is. That's why there is 99 pronouns and a bitch is not one. I mean, that... One show I did going to a gay chat board. Jesus fucking Christ, man. They were arguing amongst themselves like conservative and Democrats. It was like, what the fuck? I thought you're on the same team. Which the Dixie chicks are. Because you knew it was coming. Now Dixie is racist. Dixie chicks are changing their name. The trio is now called The Chicks. Jerry Dunleavy. I see they decided to go in the Lady Annabellum route by shortening to Lady A. Wouldn't work so well with a brand name. Sira Hishami. Once they find out that chick can be used as a pejorative term towards women, they'll change to just the. <laughs> and it's true. But most of our woke is African American stuff now because we are scared. Amazon had their shit burned down. I don't want my shit burned down. So we start getting the indoctrination shit. Nashville Prep School ends annual George Washington celebration because it's not relevant to the way that we teach history today. Because now we teach nothing but 1619. We only have the Second Amendment because we want to own slaves. And other bullshit that has been discredited by every scholar around but got a Pulitzer. Independent companies financially blacklisted for hate speech. Yeah, here it comes. Censorship doesn't stop at blocking freedom of expression. Banks and financial processors wield the power to halt one's livelihood and a mere accusation of hate speech. 
PayPal and Visa have blacklisted some users based on the content those users publish. Zero Hedge website where bloggers publish under the pseudonym Tyler Durden posted a blog saying that the outlet was deplatformed by PayPal. PayPal move bullied Zero Hedge to change its donation section. In a similar vein, social media platform Gab was reportedly blacklisted by Visa, according to one of the company's blog posts. Visa blacklisted Gab for promoting hate speech, even though the company markets itself as a neutral technology platform. According to Gab, two banks also banned Gab without cause, citing risk-related reasons. PayPal has banned people like right-wing provocateur and congressional candidate Laura Loomer. The company's CEO, Dan Schumer, has posted the notorious liberal activist organization, the Southern Poverty Law Center, has helped PayPal determine who to ban. Yeah. They actually think that's great. Hmm. So it leads to stuff like this. Oregon County issues face mask order that exempts non-white people because racial profiling. A county in Oregon is exempting non-white people from a new order that requires face masks to be worn to prevent racial profiling. Lincoln County health officials announced last week that all residents must wear face mask covering when in public places in which they are likely to come within six feet of other people who is not from their own household. But people of color do not have to follow the new rule and they have heightened concerns about racial profiling and harassment. New York Post reported these exempted from wearing the face mask. Lincoln County June 16 directive states as persons with health and medical conditions that preclude or are exaggerated, exasperated by wearing them a fast face covering. Children under the age of 12, persons with certain disabilities do not allow them to wear one, and people of color have heightened concerns about racial profiling. No person shall intimidate or harass people who do not comply. They said the post cites ACLU racial justice program director Renika Moore. Her name is Re Nike. I don't know how that's a name, but okay. Who told CNN for many black people deciding whether or not to wear a bandana in public to protect themselves and others from contracting coronavirus is a lose-lose situation that can result in life-threatening consequences either way. I'm going to read the rest of the thing. The reality is CNN was all over. It was like, that is great. The county is 98% white. 98. And doesn't this kind of destroy your concept that only people of color are dying of COVID? Well, then you're a racist because you don't want them to be safe because you're telling the rest of us if we don't wear the mask, we're all going to die. And we're killing grandma. And we're killing black people. And we're killing black grandmas. That's what you're saying. But now don't wear the mask. Okay. New series shows black enslaving white. You raped our daughters. What if we rape you? This is just perfectly timed, because it's an election year. A new series called Cracka envisions an America in which white people were enslaved by black people. Director Dale Rezaghidi released a trailer for series on Friday, saying it would be available for purchase on Amazon and elsewhere in late 2020, right around election time. Mm. 
No, they didn't say that. That's what they're doing. The trailer shows a white man with a Nazi tattoo being transported to an alternate universe in which he's made a slave by black people. The title card reads, you took our breath away. What if we took yours? You raped our daughter. What if we raped yours? You stole our freedom. Now we steal yours. Other title cards read, a dangerous new beginning and welcome to your new world. During the trailer, a song plays in the background with the words N-word land and N-er-land which I come from, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, the main character says as the camera cuts to Trump 2020 bumper sticker. Yeah, because if you support Trump, you're just a Nazi. In the series, the white neo-Nazi protagonist confronts some black people in a car, but is somehow swept away to another world. When he awakens, the tables are turned, and he is brutalized by black slaveholders. White women are being raped by black slave owners, and white men are being lynched by black overlords. A synopsis explains the premise in a world where white privilege, systematic oppression, and minority protests in order to break the chains of bondage runs regular. White supremacist Michael Stone is doing everything he can to maintain the privilege by exercising every opportunity to ensure that America he knows and loves continue to remain pure and, more importantly, white. The lead role of white supremacist Stone is played by Lorenzo Adatucci, who has an uncredited role in HBO's Game of Thrones. Other cast members include Ka. He Kahizi, Hotel Rwanda, rapper Saigon, Catherine Cates, and James Darnell. The world is ready for this one, wrote Saigon on an Instagram post. What if you were, if you were your ancestor, he wrote. I never, I could never be racist because I treat people how I want to be treated. When you see things through the eyes of other people, sometimes the message resonates. Some questions whether Rigani wants to spur violence by the series, although some people claim the new series doesn't glorify violence against whites. The show creator, Dale Rigani, has emphasized that he wants his fans to cheer when the show's anti-hero, white neo-Nazi, is brutalized by a gang of black slave owners. Sausage Roll wrote, The trailer was met with disdain on YouTube. Repulsive and hateful. What's next? Revenge movies set in modern day? Seriously, how long until an entire generation of actual racists is created? Sometimes I think that's what they want, one viewer wrote. Yes, because this will really help to ease racial tensions, won't it? Smart move. Not. It, It goes in line with the next two things. Number one, Syrian girl. Martin Luther King was a racist and a Zionist. Cancel MLK Day. Take down his statue. Replace it with Malcolm X. That was on Twitter. There wasn't a lot of pushback. Because now Malcolm X is better because these idiots haven't read his book. And I did. I had a light-skinned African-American. He got in fights with black guys, got in fights with white guys. He just got in fights. So I read the book that he was reading to get all this crazy Malcolm X shit in his head. And he didn't realize that Malcolm X went to Mecca and he came back peaceful. He was just like MLK. The any means necessary totally changed. And then surprisingly, this isn't viral, but I wanted to play it to keep it real. That every side is fucked up right now. This is a white woman at a BLM protest with a rebel flag.
I'm really surprised that didn't go viral. It is repugnant. It is horrible. She's tried to apologize, but that is just fucked up. But I play it because that's where we're heading. And I, I really truly believe it's by design. They want this. They want everybody fighting amongst themselves. They want everybody to believe that America is irredeemably racist. And they truly believe that if they get everybody fired up and eventually, and I think it's why black BLM people are chasing whites with, uh, you know, fucking fireworks and shit and parading slaves and coming out with series of, you know, white people are the slaves now. They'll get people to push back and then they can go, look at, look at those racists. Because they've been clinging to Charlottesville for what, three years? All we talk about Charlottesville. 400 idiots with tinky torches, one guy getting bricked to freak the fuck out and kill somebody, and that's your racist. Because all we can see is people shooting up baseball diamonds, burning our city, killing white folk for just being white. And we see it because they can't censor it on Twitter. It's too much. There's just too many incidents. You can't wipe it all away. There are too many examples of extremist actions right now. But with the Bubba Wallace and we're in Woke, I gotta go with the 10 greatest hoax ever. The Duke lacrosse rape. Remember that? That was all fake. Anna Anderson, the most famous of many women who falsely claimed the Grand Duchess of Antasia of Russia. Anderson claimed in 1922 she had actually survived when the rest of the Russian family was murdered. Janet Cook, Pulitzer Prize winning article. In 1980, Cook watched a post article about a nine-year-old heroin addict rocked the world and won her Pulitzer. A year later, the post stood by Cook article when questions arose, but ultimately she returned the prize after confessing it was fake. Kitty Govanese and bystander effect. Kitty Govanese was a real woman who really murdered outside her apartment, who was really murder, murdered outside her apartment in 64, but thanks to flaw reporting by the New York Times, her death sparked a fake psychology term known as the bystander effect. You're probably taught this in high school and college. The effect suggests that people who witness a crime, but know there are other witnesses are less likely to report the crime, thinking someone else probably already did. That theory was based on a claim from the New York Times reporter who said 38 people witnessed the attack but didn't call the police. War of the World's Hoax, Orson Welles. The Hitler Diaries. In 1983, the West German news magazine Stern paid the equivalent of $4 million for 60 volumes of journal allegedly written by Adolf Hitler. It was all fake. Piltman Man. Piltdown Man. In 1912, a man named Charles Dawson claimed he had discovered a skull that was a missing link between men and apes. The skull was referred to as a Piltdown Man and was accepted for science for 41 years before it was found out it was a hoax. Loch Ness Monster Photo. Satanic Daycare Panic. For nearly a decade, starting in the early 1980s, some children made fantastic claims of sexual abuse at hands of Satan-worshipping daycare workers. People went to jail. Some were only released a few years ago. The saga was extended by a child psychologist who pushed children to say it was so. Alicia Esteve, Tanya Head, 
Tanya Head claims she worked in Merrill Lynch and World Trade Center South September 11, 2001. She said her husband worked at the North Tower and was killed. Sold a fantastic story about working on the floor hit by the second plane and being carried to safety by 9-11 hero Wells Crother. In reality, Head was a Spanish citizen who was in Spain on 9-11 and never worked for Merrill Lynch. There's a whole bunch more. That's the Daily Caller's vision. And right now, we have... The Kung Flu. The Trump White House is uh, going to new lengths uh, tonight to defend the president after he uh, very publicly used a racial slur to describe the coronavirus. We're joined by our chief political correspondent, Dana Bash, and our CNN political analyst, David Gregory. Uh, Dana, I want you and our viewers to watch the White House press secretary today defending uh, President Trump's use of that racist phrase. Listen to this. Why does he use racist phrases like the Kung Flu? The president doesn't. What the president does do is point to the fact that the origin of the virus is China. To be clear, I think the media is trying to play games uh, with the terminology of this virus, where the focus should be on the fact that China let this out of their country. So, Dana, when the president uses a phrase like that to a crowd uh, of overwhelmingly white supporters uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the other night, it clearly sends a, a very uh, strong message, doesn't it? It's a racist term. Full stop. David, uh, it's clear the president is doubling down, though, on these racist uh, messages, doubling down on what's called the culture war. What's unclear is whether it will actually rally his base as it did in 2016. Well, it's sad if that's the case, and there's no question in his mind that he thinks it revs people up uh, to do that, uh, to use overtly racist language, coded messages, to go after the media. His comments are beneath the presidency, and I think right now he, he is projecting that he is under siege like we've never seen him before. You know, it's, uh, to me it's reminiscent of, of Richard Nixon before full-blown Watergate, but when the Vietnam War demonstrations were starting to gain traction in the U.S. Now, do I think it's smart that Trump did this? I don't think it was. But you came up with this bullshit. Yamichi Alcindor made it up, and now he's throwing it back at you. And I think that's fucking... Hilarious! Hilarious! It just cracks me the fuck up. Whose faces will be carved to Mount Rushmore when it's inevitably blown up? And that's a call. Ben Shapiro, so when is our woke historical revisionist priesthood going to insist on blowing up Mount Rushmore? They're now saying they shouldn't blow it up because of the um, ecological damage it would create. It just needs to be erased somehow. That's what Native Americans are saying. Oh, it's coming. Don't worry. We got the Star Spangled Banner today. That's got to go away, too. Past and current employees, Planned Parenthood steeped in white supremacy. Holy shit, they're eating their own. Is Black Lives Matter cancel culture finally coming to PPFA, the nation's largest abortion business, founded founded by Margaret Sanger and leading killer black babies? It appears that way. At least they're the largest affiliate. The woke mob is trying to take down PPGNY CEO Laura McQuaid, whom they accuse of having a Trumpian leadership style in a story that's only been covered by a handful of online outlets. An open letter to PPGNY board of directors signed by 300 current and former staff members on June 18th alleged abusive behavior, financial mismanagement, racism, and weaponizing of the work of diversity equipment. 
inequality and inclusion against staff and decimation of institutional knowledge due to unprecedented rate of staff turnover. This is definitely part of a racial reckoning. They admit to have been inspired and emboldened by national movements led by black people holding organizations and institutions accountable, working to dismantle systems of oppression and white supremacy. Planned Parenthood was founded by a racist white woman. That is part of the history that cannot be changed. While efforts have been made to undo some of the harm from institutional racism, many of these issues have worsened under McQuay's tenure. After years of complaints from staff about issues of systemic racism, pay inequity, and lack of upward mobility for black staff, highly paid consultants were brought in three separate times. Later on in the article, rather than using their true definitions, senior leaders and upper management have used terms to manipulate and silence those with different opinions and perspectives, leverage identity politics by putting black and other people of color in positions of leadership who actively participate in harming black staff. PPGNY repeatedly tokenized their equity chief and learning officers. What do you expect? The entire thing was brought up by fucking a eugenicist. All your organiz- all your fucking buildings are in black neighborhoods. And the majority of babies killed at Planned Parenthood are black. The media's not going to cover that because it's a slush fund for the left. If we really cared about black lives, black people say this on Twitter all the time, PPFA would be dismantled because that's who they murder. Simultaneously, pro-life people were at a PPFA clinic in Illinois and were egged. But the media ignored it. So as we're canceling the left... Oh, don't worry. We have pushback on this. It's coming. Here's Jimmy Kimmel's apology. I have been reluctant to address this as I know doing so would be celebrated as a victory to those who equate apologies with weakness and cheer for leaders who use prejudice to divide us. That's a Trump bash. The delay was a mistake. There is nothing more important to me than your respect, and I apologize to those who genuinely hurt or offended by the makeup I wore or words I spoke. On the KROQ radio in the mid-90s, I did a recurring impression of NBA player Carl Malone. In the late 90s, I continued impersonating Malone on TV. I hired makeup artists to make me look as much like Carl Malone as possible. I never considered this might be seen as anything other than an imitation of a fellow human being, one that had no more to do with Carl's skin color than it did his bulging muscles and bald head. I've done dozens of impressions of famous splitting people, including Snoop Dogg, Oprah. I've done dozens of impressions of famous people, including Snoop Dogg, Oprah, Eminem, he repeated himself, Dick Vitale, Rosie, and other others. In each case, I thought them as impersonation of celebrities and nothing more. Looking back, many of those sketches were embarrassing and as frustrating the thoughtless moments have become a weapon used by some to diminish my criticisms of social and other injustice. I believe that I have evolved and matured over the last 20 plus years and I hope to... E- is evident to anyone who watches my show. I know that this will not be the last I hear of this and that it will be used against to try to quiet me. I love this country too much to allow that. I won't be bullied into silence by those who feign outrage to advance their oppressive and genuinely racist agenda. My summer vacation was planned more than a year and included next two summers off as well. I'll be back to work in September. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to explain that I did nothing wrong. Fuck you, conservatives. Ed Morrissey, he claims he evolved and mature, apologizes, but then attacks his critics as racist hypocrites. 
Why does Kimmel demand grace for his transgressions while refusing any grace at all for his critics? And all his critics are racist, he says. Sierra Spartan. In short, I'm a flaming hypocrite, but I now play lip service to the correct ideas to shut up. See you in September, idiots. But progressives have set the rules, not anyone else. The progressives' rule is you can't apologize your way out. You are canceled. Then it came up, I just turned 15, uncomfortable Megan Fox interview with Jimmy Kimmel surfaces following alleged N-word tape. In here, he's hitting on a 15-year-old. Because remember, he did the man show. He was with the Juggies. The fucking Juggies. He's a fucking hypocrite. Sorry, I think my blood pressure. <laughs> then Tina Fey apologizes, convinces steaming service to memory hole black fat blackface episodes. ET Canada. I understand the intent is not a free pass for white people to use this image. I apologize for the pain they have caused. As we strive to do the work and do better in regards to race in America, we believe that these episodes feature actors and race-changing makeup are best taken out of circulation. Faye wrote in a letter obtained by Vulture, I understand that the intent is not to free pass white people. Going forward, no comedy-loving kid needs to sum upon these tropes and stung by their ugliness. They'll have to remove almost the whole show. Blackface is not only racial trope in the show. Go all in or don't at all. You don't get a I'm sorry pass. Can we normalize taking the excuse out of racism? It's not funny. How you have a brain and not know blackface isn't cool. I'm sure some people said something back then too. I used to love her and pull her together. But I recently realized that just two white girls who use black mannerism, slam, etc. for laughs. Yeah. Then we have this. Kristen Bell. This is the time to acknowledge our act of complicity. Here is one of mine. Playing the Molly in Central Park shows a lack of awareness of my pervasive privilege. Casting a mixed race character with a white actress undermines the specificity of the mixed race and black American experience. So now all these people are pulling back and not doing their voiceovers for fucking cartoons. And what do we get for it? Do we get a think piece off the left going, there's a lot of liberals in blackface. In fact, we lionize a governor who was in a fucking KKK hood. No. Newsweek. Conservatives weaponize cancel culture to tame anti-Trump celebrities. Now remember, they've gone after everybody. They've canceled the fucking world. There are so many conservatives out of work. I mean, Roseanne Barr lost her fucking show over posting a meme of a racist, terrorist, sympathetic piece of shit and saying she looked like somebody from Planet of the Apes. Kimmel's going to get a vacation. Jimmy Fallon just has to go through 8,000 more episodes of White People Are Racist. He'll be back in business. Tina Fey, it won't fucking matter. 
And Governor Northam is carted out as a ally. But yeah. Miller, conservative weaponized something that is by description weaponized to use against people weaponizing the weapon. Alex Clark, spare us your crocodile tears because conservatives are insisting you play by your own rules. You made this bed, sleep in it. Sweet dreams. Charlie Kirk, has anyone noticed everyone who's been caught in blackface is a leftist? And I miss some. Here's some more. Uh, Howard Stern, Joy Bayar, Sarah Silverman, Ted Danson, Gigi Hadid, Julianne Huff, Billy Crystal, Justin Trudeau. Hmm. Yeah. Now, that's a lot of fucking people. They're all lefties. Kathy Young, the left's cancel culture is vile. The right, hey, let's turn cancel culture around and clobber the left. Game is ten times as nauseating because it's so flagrantly cynical. And that's how they're excusing it. They're excusing it because conservatives, they're just racist because we say so. They're racist because they don't buy into white fragility. They're racist because they don't believe their systematic racism. They're racist because we fucking said so. So the woke keeps spinning and we get to this. Why it might be time to finally replace the star-spangled banner with a new national anthem. Other articles by this wizard. Shamir talks, I can't breathe song, queer rage. People in my team were leery about me being vocal. Her name is Lindsay Parker, and this is Yahoo News. Just going to read a little bit, because it'll just anger me, and I'll punch something. The only thing to hear to punch is my white hula girl. I replaced my hula girl with a new hula girl, because her skirt's all fucked up. I've had a hula girl on my dashboard forever. It used to be an Hawaiian hula girl, but then people started getting fucking canceled for it. So I bought a white 50s hula girl. It's really cute. Way more expensive. My wife repainted it. It's got a cute polka dot bathing suit on. In an increasingly anti-racist era when problematic iconography, ranging from Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben, to even Dukes of Hazzard, General Lee Carr, and a country band, Laney Annabellum's name being reassessed, revised, or retired, America's national anthem, a star-spangled banner, seems to be striking a wrong note. Last week, protesters in San Francisco toppled a statue of Francis Scott Key, a known slaveholder, who once said that the African Americans were a distinct and inferior race of people, blah, blah, blah. This week, Lion Morales, an Afro-Latinx student in New York Urban Assembly School for Performing Arts, refused to sting the Star Smell banner at our virtual graduation. Explaining in the Wall Street Journal, it was quick to do it because we want clicks too. With everything that's happening, if I stand here and sing it, I might be complicit to a system that has oppressed people of color. Instead, she performed Lift Every Voice and Sing, a hymn widely considered to be a black national anthem. So is it time for the country to dispense the Star Spangled Banner and adopt a new anthem? With less troubling history and inclusive message? Historian and scholar Dr. Daniel E. Walker, the author of No More, No More, Slavery and Cultural Resistance in Havana and New Orleans, a producer of documentary How Sweet the Sound, Gospel Los Angeles, says yes. The 53-year-old of me says we can't change things that have existed forever. But then there are these young people who say that America needs to live up to its real creed. And so I do side with the people who say, scrub that shit. 
Activist and journalist Kevin Powell, author of a new book, When We Free the World by Killing All White People. That's not the title, but that's the implication. Says it's important to understand the song's racist legacy and Trump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm scanning down. Uh, uh, pal, 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 pal. Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, the way I look at it, I think what Jimi Hendrix did with Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock, or way that Marvin Gaye reinterpreted it and made it a soul song, or Whitney Houston, because they're black people, it's all good. It became something that belonged to all people, not just folks that thought we should sing blindly. And that's what we do. Take these opportunities before them because it's a way to showcase one of the greatest gifts to the world, which is music. So the Star Spangled Banner goes away and the Confederate flag and gone with the wind. What should America's new national anthem be? Whatever it is, Walker says, there should be a formal vetting process to make sure the next anthem doesn't have a terrible pass. Powell, for his part, suggests John Lennon's Imagine, and that's fucking it. I can't do it anymore. Can't do it. Can't fucking do it. Imagine there's no country. Imagine there's no fucking God. There's no heaven. That's what they want. Because, once again, if you're Christian, you're racist. If you respect the country, you're racist. If you respect the flag, you're racist. There's no proof in it. It's just a thesis from some liberal art college. But that's what we go with. So, we're going to go with anti-unfiltered. This is racist as fuck. Hey, nieces and nephews, it's your favorite auntie, Monique Judge, and this is Auntie Unfiltered. Today on Auntie Unfiltered, we are going to discuss the way America, 3K, gaslights black people, because she does. And it happens all the time, and we really need to discuss it because there, there has to be something done about this, right? So... In the wake of George Floyd's murder at the hands of the Minneapolis police in cities all across the nation, people have been resisting, protesting, showing up to city halls, to mayor's offices, to district attorney's offices, to police headquarters, demanding justice, demanding that police departments be defunded, demanding that bad police be prosecuted. And now we have a bunch of companies coming forward because they see it's not going to die down, right? It, the momentum is going and it's getting stronger and stronger as the days go on. It's like a fucking snowball rolling down the hill in an ambulance. You can't stop that shit. We're going to keep going. So what they're realizing is, hey, we better try to get ahead of this and do something that, you know, makes us look like we're, we're on board with this. So you have all these companies coming out of the woodwork with their Black Lives Matter statements and, oh, we need to do better and all of that and I want to address that right now because on the surface that's just what these things are is very superficial um, and that's a form of gaslighting black people because sure you can tell us that you're on our side but aside from making a post on social media or on your website what else are you doing to help black people like what are you doing that is moving our cause forward how are you helping us get to our greater end goal like what are you doing so um, some examples of this would be like, for instance, a lot of companies have now decided they want to give their employees Juneteenth off. Now, our, even our parent company decided that. So at the root, we are a black media organization, but we are an, or a media organization within a larger media organization, right? Our parent company is Geo Media. And so now Juneteenth is a Geo Media holiday where not just the root gets the day off, but everyone, Deadspin, 
uh, Jezebel, Gizmodo, Kotaku, everyone gets the day off now for Juneteenth. And a lot of companies have done this. And so my question to these companies that are doing this, mine included, is what else are you doing to help black people? What about your black employees? Do they feel taken care of? Do they feel, you know, appreciated? Do they feel represented? Do, are, is your company, you know, do you have a diversity committee? Is your company helping to further those causes? Like, are you listening to black people? Or are you kind of just on this train doing your own thing where you're claiming that you're helping, but you're really not, right? That's an important thing to address. Quaker uh, Oats Company, right? They own Aunt Jemima. And they decided this week they are going to change the name of that product line, right? So the pancake mix and syrup that we've used all our lives, Aunt Jemima, they're going to change the name because they've just now suddenly discovered that it's kind of racist. And it's like, no. Remember in the 90s, they took the scarf off of her and gave her a, a dark and lovely relaxer and shit and changed up her whole look, right? Because that was supposed to take away some of the stigma of it but you kept the name Aunt Jemima so you knew what you were doing that's gaslighting black people you're trying to make don't don't piss on me and tell me it's raining like you're, you're literally trying to make us think you're doing something that you're actually not doing so now changing the name sure that's my slow clap for you Quaker Oats now you're doing it and that's fine but what else are you doing how do your black employees feel at your company do they feel valued do they feel represented? Do they feel like their voices are being heard? We need to keep asking these questions of everyone. Every company that comes out and says this, like think about Starbucks, right? But what was it, two years ago, Starbucks made the news because the two black men in Philadelphia got arrested in one of their stores. And then Starbucks did this whole big old thing where they decided to close all their stores for a day so all their employees could go to diversity and cultural training, right? And then uh, last week, I believe it was, they put out a memo telling their employees that they weren't allowed to wear Black Lives Matter paraphernalia to work. These don't match. Either you are for Black Lives or you're not. It's not a political statement. Let's get that clear. Telling Black people that Black Lives Matter is a political statement is also a form of fucking gaslighting. It is not a political statement. We are literally on these streets begging you to stop killing us. Me telling someone, please don't kill me, is not a political statement, bitch. I'm begging for my fucking life. Like, what is it about black people wanting police to not kill us with impunity that makes everyone get up in arms and think it's some kind of, you know, revolution or something? Or like maybe that's what y'all are scared of and so you continue to gaslight us because you're afraid that the same treatment you heaped on black people for all these years is going to come back to get your white ass I want you to sit with that and I want you to think about it and I want you to analyze where you are with it because y'all stay gaslighting us and we stop so I know the company's coming forward but we definitely need to know what your plans are besides putting up a social media post are you actors in Hollywood who made that long ass video talking about, I accept responsibility. Fuck y'all. Okay. First of all, you're actors. So that could have just been acting in that video. You want to impress me? Be like Seth Rogen who got on his Instagram and fucking made a post and then dared a racist to come in his comments and say something. He proceeded to cuss every single one of them out. Take some kind of action. Don't, don't just make posts on Facebook and tell us that you're down with us. We want to see how down you fucking are. Now, as always, I want to hear from you. If you have a question, if you need advice, if you even have a topic that you think you want to hear your auntie discuss, hit me up at auntiesubmissions at theroot.com and I'll see you guys next week.
Bye. The only gaslighting going on in the country is by liberals, BLM, that everybody's racist. That's gaslighting. If you don't agree with BLM, you're racist. That's gaslighting. If you think the American flag is not racist, that's gaslighting. Everything's gaslighting. It's not America shutting blacks up right now. It's black people shutting up Americans. As simple as that. And I'm not saying all blacks. I'm not saying anything racist. I'm saying facts. BLM has hijacked the entire world and got everybody believing that only black people die of COVID and that also black people shouldn't have to wear masks and all the stupid shit that we just keep going over and over. We end with our... This is from MSDNC. This is Jason Soboroff, who's literally saying that the wall is inconveniencing illegals. And I had to put it in woke. And after that interview, there were predictable attacks from some in the media saying, this is a hoax. There's not really new wall there, even though I was standing there looking at it, not just taking the president's word, but using my own eyes, but also talking to Border Patrol agents Mm -hmm. who were there who said, you know, there used to be just like a crickety old fence that was broken down. And they said that Mexican residents would literally climb over that fence and then go to their spouse and say, here, hand the kids over. This is what Border Patrol agents were saying, folks. This is actual facts. And they said then these Mexican residents would literally just walk into San Diego and all of a sudden be in America illegally. And now because of these two walls, they're not doing it. They say that they're the Border Patrol agents say, not the president, that there have been zero Mexican residents to be able to get over both walls. Jacob, I want to go to you. I'm so glad you're there. You're in a place you're so familiar with. Uh, you've done so much work there in front of the border wall, particularly where President Trump is going to be today, signaling, obviously, he's going to make immigration another key issue, as he did in 2016. But why there? Well, Chris, this is where much of the new, and we should be really clear. I mean, there's, I think there's a sort of an online conversation about what's replacement wall and what is new wall. Much of the new wall, and yes, much of it has replaced old wall, is here in this part of Arizona. Um, but I think it's a mistake to sort of dismiss that as replacement wall. What the president has done, and they're signaling that this is the 200th mile of new wall, replacement wall, whatever you want to call it, um, The bottom line is what this wall will do is going to have drastic effects, and it will make border enforcement along the southwest border uh, much different. It will force migrants, as has border enforcement strategy along the southwest border for decades, into more dangerous and deadly territory as they try to cross. And that's something, frankly, uh, the top Homeland Security official Ken Cuccinelli confirmed to me in a tweet publicly just over the course of the last hour. The president wants everybody to know this. He wants everybody to know he's still focused on what's happening here at the border. Uh, But there is a much larger story taking place uh, while he comes here, and that is the explosion of coronavirus cases here in Arizona. That's why I'm wearing a mask standing in the middle of nowhere next to this border wall. Two workers working on this very wall that the president is going to come and see today uh, were diagnosed with the coronavirus. It is something that is happening here. It's something that is unavoidable. And it is a cross-border phenomenon that the president has not been able to wrap his hands around. Uh, and that's something that he's going to have to face when he's down here today. Unfucking believable So, before we go into PCU, and it's just a soundbite, I wanted to cover... Six heroic members of law enforcement that our media will never talk about. Because as I talked about in Part A, if you say anything positive about law enforcement, you are crushed by the mob. David Dorn's number one. 
We know about him. Two, Cameron Kinsky. Cameron Kinsky, a sheriff deputy in Palmdale, California, recently saved an 11-month-old boy from choking. It was all over the, all over Twitter. Nobody covered it in the media. David Patrick Underwood, federal protective officer David Patrick Underwood, was killed in a drive-by shooting during BLM protests in Oakland. According to local CBS affiliate in San Francisco, the 50-year-old Underwood was gunned down while working as security at Oakland's Ronald V. Delium Federal Complex. We covered it. William Kimbrough, a South Carolina deputy, saved a 12-month-old baby last June. Kimbrough body camera captured the anxious moment as he diligently administered CPR. I saw it. The media did. They didn't broadcast it. Jonathan Weiss. In mid-June, Jonathan Weiss, a San Diego canine officer, rescued a pair of two-year-old twins in spectacular fashion after the girl's desperate suicidal father, father plunged their vehicle off a cliff. Saw it on Twitter. Nobody aired it. Stephen Williams, an appointed emotional service for Sergeant Stephen Williams of Moody, Alabama. Some 1,000 mourners came to pay their respect for his ultimate sacrifice. According to AL, Williams was recently shot and killed in a gunfight after responding to 9-11 called Make a Local Super 8. Our media doesn't cover that. It doesn't fit the narrative. So why would they cover it? Because it just makes more sense to dog police. It's what the cool kids do. And because the cool kids do it, well, that's that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep doing it because we're scared of the goddamn mob, too. Let's be honest. They truly are scared of the mob. I've done this segment on the show before, but some of it's just funny. i I got to play this by itself because this is what it feels like on TV and social media. And the walls are painted white. And the chalk is white. And even the copy machine paper is white. This, my friend, is a white devil's conspiracy. I mean, it really does. And deep down inside, I wish this scene could be real. We're not gonna protest. Let's all give it up for Andrea Garcia Thompson and her amazing and impromptu Rapper Show! The Bird Show! The amazing Bird Show! The wonderful Bird Show! The Bird Show! I don't have a lot of time to say this, but I gotta get something off my chest. Last night, my house threw a party. And I thought that we all finally got along. We had a good time. But we got so many protests, we broke so many rules, and we got booted off campus. You know, it used to be the administration's job to make rules. It used to be us against them. Now it's us against us. Look, I've been here for seven years, and i got to tell you guys, what's going on here is about America. Shut up. It's about democracy. It's about the Bill of Rights and basic cable, call waiting, and free trips to the salad bar. It's about everything that makes this country great. Our country. We can do something about this. We can finally say that when some people are having a good time and drinking some beers, throwing some meat, that we're not going to protest. In fact, I promised myself I wouldn't do this. I'm sorry. If we could just say that, if only to each other, just this one time, that we're not going to protest, 
that we're not going to protest? We're not going to protest. We're not going to protest. We're going to protest. We're not 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 going to protest. This is not good. This is We're really not, not good. Okay, we got placards here. We got placards for everybody. We brought our own. We're not gonna protest. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. Everyone, please take your seats. Be quiet. I am asking you to be quiet, everyone. Be quiet. Because right now, the movie, which was based on a college, that if you haven't seen it, you really need to. It's an excellent, excellent movie. It literally is based on what we're living now. Every fucking thing is racist. People are constantly protesting something in our country ever since Trump got elected. Before that, we didn't have all these protests. During Obama, the world was perfect. It was just perfect. There was nothing wrong with our world. It was moonbeams and sunshine. And definitely, there was no racist problem with My Little Pony. But now, everything's racist. So, if you look this up on Twitter, or excuse me, YouTube, you will see there's a whole breakdown. It's 40 minutes. I'm not going to play it. I'm just going to play, um, let's see, how many minutes is this? It's just the part one that pretty much surmises how... This is true. It's nine minutes. How the movie PCU predicted SJWs. And it nailed it perfectly. I don't have a lot of time to say this, but I got to get something off my chest. Last night, my house threw a party. And I thought that we all finally got along. We had a good time. But we got so many protests, we broke so many rules that we got booted off campus. You know, it used to be the administration's job to make rules. It used to be us against them. Now it's us against us. What shall we eat? Why shall we eat it? What's that supposed to mean? Yeah, cockman oppressor. Fred is a white devil's conspiracy. I need to remind you that this house already has enough complaints to qualify for a sensitivity awareness weekend. You passed out cigarettes for a smoke-a-thon on Earth Day. You installed speed bumps on the handicap ramps. And most recently, you dumped 100 pounds of meat on a peaceful vegan protest. Oh, come on. That was way more than 100 pounds. Well, I think bisexual Asian studies should have its own building. question is, who goes? The math department or the hockey team? Pack up your rape culture and take a hike. It is our duty to fight for freedom! It is our duty to win! It is our duty to win! We must love and support and cover! We must love and support each other! We have nothing to lose but our chains! We have nothing to lose but our chains! Can I talk to you? No, you need to get out! You need to get out! No, I don't. You need to get out! Oh, we should go. Oh. 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 Oh.
A bunch of spoiled babies here who don't understand the difference between speech and violence. Dude, you're not entitled you to just come, you hate, create violent rhetoric, then make, make the campus unsafe. Oh no, that's a real thing. See, the words could create little holes to open up your chest. We call them speech bullets, and uh, they can cause real death and harm. This is why we want to turn the colleges into safe spaces like, you know, daycares. Oh, I don't agree with that. Then why the fuck did you accept the position? Because who the fuck hired you? I have a different position. You should step down. If that is what you think about being a professor, you should step down. It is not about creating an intellectual thing. It is not. Do you understand that? It's about creating a home here. That particular shrieking harlot just protected the Yale student body from the very deadly danger of American Indian Halloween costumes. Could have been a massacre. Thank God for her. Oh my God, what is that? Is that, is that period blood? I, I don't even know what to make of this one. That is quite enough out of you there, tons of fun. Seriously. College students acting like morons is nothing new. What is new is that we have a whole group of professors not only joining in, but acting like mafioso enforcers for their ridiculous style of groupthink. I made it. Can I talk to you? No, you need no. to get out. Well, you need to get out. No, I don't. You need to get out. I actually don't. All right. Well, I think you get the idea. question is, how do we get here? Could we have seen it coming? Well, as it turns out, there was a movie that did see it coming, and it was the now, in my opinion, the most important movie in the last 25 years. Was it Schindler's List? No. Armageddon? Eh, close. It's called PCU. Really? Yeah, that's right. This little-known throwaway college frat pick that came at the tail end of the party movie phase that started with Animal House is now the most important movie you can watch today. This so-called silly movie has more relevance in today's cultures than anything those oh-so-very-important movies like The Academy Likes to Slobber Over, like 12 Years a Slave, or Crash, or Lord of the Rings. Hashtag Orc Lives Matter, bitches. Look, seriously, the... 
Academy likes to congratulate themselves on Hollywood's virtue signaling by making movies about problems no later than 50 years ago. Slavery, racism, homophobia, showing America's past faults is like porn to these people. Hey, Hollywood, we get it. Next up for your consideration, Loving, a very important and topical story about interracial marriage in 1967 Alabama. Seriously, who gives a fuck about interracial marriage anymore? Well, yes, okay, yeah, but the rest of Western civilization, hey, Hollywood, we get it, and we fixed it years ago. The fucking Jeffersons were more relevant than you guys are. And PCU is more relevant today than any of the self-hating dreck we're forced to fawn over. And why is it so relevant? Well, that's the point of this in-depth analysis. So why is this movie so overlooked? Why is it so relevant today? Well, let's start by talking about how it came about. PCU is a quick throwaway movie directed by Hart Bachner. Yeah, that guy. Really? <laughs> this guy in Die Hard. Hans. Bobby. I'm not kidding. It's the most important movie of 25 years and was directed by the coke fiend in Die Hard. You remember the guy who tried to make a deal with Severus Snape and got blown away. Oh, wait, that was Takagi. Nah, there we go. Don't worry, kids. Die Hard didn't really kill him. Hell, even Supergirl couldn't kill his career. He didn't even seem to really care about it. He just wanted the experience of becoming a director. His politics really don't seem the most well thought out. American emits one ton of carbon dioxide every two weeks. How big is a ton? You're looking at it. What? Your face? Look, I don't want to pick on Hart. He seems like a decent enough guy, and I'm sure he's had more success in movie making than I'll ever have. My point is, I don't think he was trying to make anything more than what PCU appears on the surface. A silly college party movie with maybe a little twist that would hopefully make a little money. Which, by the way, it didn't make shit. So, PCU follows the story of a group of college students who make up a non-frat called The Pit. The story starts with Tom. He's a pre-frosh who's touring the campus and trying to decide if he wants to go there. He ends up being shown around campus by the Pit, who are the misfit but the heroes of campus, or at least of this movie. Tom, through accidents and misunderstandings, ends up pissing off everyone on campus. Meanwhile, the president of the campus is trying to get the pit booted off campus because uh, she just doesn't, they don't conform. She uses an excuse of damage assessment and charges them five grand. She assumes they won't be able to pay. The pit throws a giant party, raises the money, but the president had a double secret probation going on that the party violated, so they get booted off campus. You're out of here. The pit gets everyone to support them during an important celebration to get her, her fired. You're fired, Thompson! And the pit students back in. Tom decides to come to Port Chester in the fall and the bad guys get their comeuppance. So if you look at the plot on the surface, it's pretty standard stuff. The devil's in the details, my friends. Symbolically, there's a ton going on here. Symbolism that was never intended, I'm quite sure. This is symbolism I say is in the movie now, given the state of universities and act the culture war now. 
You may not see it the same way, but 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 my way is correct. Shut the fuck up, Nietzsche. It's funny because the first time I saw it, I literally just went, "Oh my god, this movie's kind of true because it was just starting." You know, in the '90s, it wasn't where we're at now. And college campuses were extreme with some extreme ideas, but now that shit's just child play compared to what we live today. So to close the show, I wanted to do a fun thing from now on, so we don't really do lighter fare, and do the soundbite of the day. And I thought these were perfect. It's a lady at a Florida hearing on COVID that just goes the fuck off, and she's Latina, and then an African-American man at the chop zone. He is tearing this chop zone down, and people come at him with knives and everything, and he just touches his gun, and he is throwing barricades, and it's like... Every person that is done with this in America, kind of like the email we read from Brittany, whatever the hell her name is, about done with COVID and grandma and all that shit, and she was called a grandma killer, that's where we all are. We channeled through her on COVID. Every American who's not part of this craziness channeled through this African-American man who is just fucking tossing shit and saying, I'm done. I'm just done. And it is the soundbite of the day. Well, my gosh. What can I say except, Debbie, you're going to Paris, and this is the final answer heard all around the world. He's won a million dollars. cannot mandate somebody to wear a mask knowing that that mask is killing people. It literally is killing people. And my, the people, we the people, are waking up. And we know what citizen's arrest is. Because citizen's arrests are already happening. Okay? And every single one of you that are obeying the devil's laws are going to be arrested. And you, doctor, are going to be arrested for crimes against humanity. Single one of you have a smirk behind that little mask, but every single one of you are going to get punished by God. You cannot, you cannot escape God. You cannot escape God. I'm going to say that again. You cannot escape God, not even with the mask or six feet. Okay? Six feet, like I said before, is military protocol. You're trying to get the people to train them so when the, the cameras, the 5G comes out, what? 
They're, they're going to they're gonna scan everybody. we got to get scanned. we got to get temperature. The kids have to go to school with masks. Are you insane? Are you crazy? I think all of you should be in a psych ward right the heck now. Because none of you, none of you know what the hell you are all talking about. This is insane. And then you want to open this meeting with a prayer to God. Are you praying to the devil? Because God is not listening to that prayer. Because all of you are practicing the devil's laws. What happened to Bill Gates? Why is he not in jail? Why is Hillary Clinton not in jail? Why are all of the, all of these pedophiles that are demanding you all to, to listen to their rules? Why are they not in jail? Oh, is it because you're part of them? Thank are you, you part of the deep your state? Time has the deep state is going and down. And if any of you are morning. in the deep state, you're going down. Good on them both. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. And send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Fop podcast gmail.com you can get this show on soundcloud podcast attic tune in radio google play itunes blueberry stitcher down and pocket cast remember check out our twitter page at fop tony reed i'm not going to talk about parlor lane yet because i really don't think it's all that it is our next show will be wednesday 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 one july year of our lord 2020 until then disconnect from all your devices don't give the yeah yeah spend some time with your family And once again, remember, you have a voice. You're able to talk in this country. We will have a Biden presidency, and they're going to go crazy. It's going to take us pushing back. Eventually, we're going to have to peacefully assemble and say, enough is enough. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Thank you.